0: here it is if you didn't hear this on Saturday night Eric brought a word to us and it was a prophetic word And, and, and you know when a prophetic word is brought to a body there's so many times I've seen this happen where it can speak to the body as a whole and he spoke it over our church but it's crazy that it can also speak to us on individual levels just as much I mean only the word of the Lord can be relevant to every person in the room and the community as a whole uh, in the way that it is. I mean, it was powerful. So here's what he said. He got up and and this is leading straight into our new series called Wait. He got up and he said, there are things that have been put on the back burner and it is time to bring them to the forefront of this church. That things that have been put on the back burner it's time to bring them to the forefront he didn't get into specifics obviously that's it's kind of ours to to think about and dwell on and, and 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 act on you know when a prophetic word is given i mean we are not a bunch of drone robots controlled by the great puppet master we have free will if you're wondering why prophetic words you've been given haven't come to pass, if it's not a timing issue, then there's a chance you haven't moved on that word. There's a chance you haven't moved on the word. If somebody has a prophetic word for you, and this is just an example, they say there is $100,000 in cash under the mattress of your bed. I mean, that'd be crazy. I'd love to have that word, but you know what you gotta do? You gotta go to your bed, you gotta lift the mattress up, and you have to pull the $100,000 out of the mattress. what a weird example that I thought of. I don't know why I thought of that one, but it's just very basic. My point is you have to move on the word. Uh, it's not just going to fall out of the mattress into your bank account. I mean, you've got to go move on the word. So he, he spoke prophetically to us. So I know as a staff and as leadership, we've even spent the week talking about what has been on the back burner that it's time to pull to the forefront. But what does that mean to you in your life? What have you, what have I put on the back burner that God says, no, I gave you that gift to be at the forefront of your life. It says in Proverbs that a good gift will put you before kings. And you have a good gift. You have a gift that is so good and so unique that only you have it. The world doesn't need another BJ Sullivan, The world doesn't need another Billy Graham, right? The world needs a Franklin Graham, who has led Samaritan's Purse very successfully, but not like his dad did. If he tried to be his dad, he wouldn't be seeing success. If I was trying to be my dad, I wouldn't see success. If you're trying to be me, then you're not using the unique thing that God has put on the inside of you. I'm talking about giftings, I'm talking about callings, Talking about talent, skills, the way you think, the way you process things. These are unique things to you. And God says, if they've been on the back burner, it is time to pull them to the forefront. So, only you right now are thinking of something for your personal life that has maybe been on the back burner that the Lord's saying, bring to the forefront. So, as I was thinking about this word, one of the things I, I felt the Lord say is so many times. We put our callings, our gifts, the things that the Lord has placed in us that are unique on the back burner because we become impatient in the waiting season. Does this sound familiar to you? You're waiting to see the Lord's word come to pass in your life and then you wait a little bit longer and you feel like you're you're plowing the ground, you're planting the seeds, right? You're you're thinking, okay, I'm doing what I need to do, I'm watering the seed, I'm, I'm moving forward and then the waiting becomes longer and longer and it begins to get less and less attention. I mean, how many of you have had a very successful garden for like one or two years and then you lose interest? And that third year, it doesn't get as much water. It doesn't get as much attention. And all of a sudden, your cucumbers went from giant man-sized cucumbers to like small little baby ones that you buy in the bag at the grocery store. You know, the little bite-sized one. I mean, when things stop getting attention, they stop growing. And so many times, the things that the Lord has put into our lives, in a unique way, the gift that will put us before Kings gets placed on the back burner because we become impatient because we start saying, well, I guess this isn't working, but the waiting season, which has so many negative connotations connected to it is not a negative season at all. You know, you can read in the word, there were people that were in the wilderness and it was not a good place for them to be. But when Jesus went to the wilderness, read the story, it was a retreat. He would retreat to the wilderness to get alone, to be alone, to to rejuvenate himself. So if you consider the waiting season like a wilderness, then this is a great chance for us to talk about what waiting means for the believer and how it is actually not negative whatsoever. It is a very positive thing. David knew a lot about waiting. David was the boy who was anointed King. And then for years and years served the current King, who at random times would try to impale him with a spear. If you don't know that story, David would play the harp and the demons that tormented King Saul would flee. But then eventually, I guess one made it back and he'd pick up a spear and throw it at David. David was anointed king as a boy. And then after that, he killed Goliath. King Saul became a a wicked king that was more concerned with pleasing people than pleasing God. That was his main problem. Even when King Saul was told by the prophet, you've lost the kingdom. I've given it to somebody else. Do you know he didn't even repent? He didn't say, well, Lord, please accept me. He said to the prophet that said, you've lost the kingdom. God's given it to someone else. He said, honor me one more time in front of the people. That's how obsessed King Saul was with people and not the Lord. David was a man after God's own heart. And whether people told him he was awesome or whether they told him he was dirt, he only cared what the Lord thought about him, and he knew something about waiting patiently. Because there was moments after he killed Goliath when everybody in the kingdom sang the song, Saul has killed his thousands, but David, you've killed your 10,000s. He could have taken the throne right there. He could have told those people, sing louder. Sing me to the throne. Let's take King Saul off, and let's take him in the streets, and let's give me this kingdom now. But he didn't. They were singing these songs, and he went back to his father's flock and sat there alone in a field taking care of sheep. I mean, could you feel less important? One minute, the entire kingdom is singing your praises. And you know, you know he thought this. I could go sit on that throne right now. But instead, he made a choice to go back and sit on a grassy knoll with nobody around him but a bunch of sheep. I mean, that's some of us. Some of us have had the moment where we get a little taste of the glory and we like it. And we're like, oh, man, this is great. And the Lord's like, yes, there'll be more of this. I'm going to take you to a place that's a lot like this. Right now, you're in the field. Yeah. Just keep waiting. Yeah. I'm like, but I don't want to keep waiting. I want to be up on that throne. I want to be in front of people. I want to be the CEO. I don't want to be the guy that's at the bottom of the barrel. I don't. This is, and the Lord said, just wait. I've put things in your heart and we're going there. But right now, you're in the field and there's a few sheep. And just keep watching them. In these moments, David, if he hadn't written this Psalm yet, it was in his heart. And here's what he says in Psalm 27, 13 and 14. I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Who would argue? that one day we know we're gonna see the Lord's goodness, right, we'll be in heaven, we'll be with Jesus, there'll be no more striving, there'll be no more wars, there'll be no more uh, uh, anxiety, there'll be no more fear. We know we'll see the Lord's goodness one day, but David said, that is not all, we'll see it in the land of the living. This land of the living is filled with the opposite of a lot of goodness, right? There's a lot of not goodness here in this world. So he follows this up. I'm confident I'll see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. I have been calling that for the last week and a half a wait patiently sandwich. I really like sandwiches. Sandwiches. It's kind of my favorite food. I mean, pizza is up there, but pizza is kind of just an open-faced sandwich, if we're being honest. You got bread, sauce, cheese, meat. All you got to do is put a piece of bread on top, and you have a sandwich, right? So sandwiches are great. If you want to know how to get to my heart, sandwiches. I love sandwiches. I'm reading this, and I'm thinking, this is a wait patiently sandwich. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. There are so many times in our life we say, I've been waiting patiently. I've been waiting for years. I've been waiting for days. I've been waiting for decades. And here comes the word of the Lord. All right? There's the bottom bun. Now, wait patiently. But when we feel and think the waiting season is because we've done something wrong or because God's not happy with us or we got to get this in order, that in order, before the Lord does something for us. That is so not what the waiting season is about. We have to go to this original language to get a good understanding of what wait on the Lord means, and and, and I know I spoke about this less than a year ago, so at least this next point, some of you hopefully remember it. I hope you're hearing it now for a second time. Some of you are hearing it for a first time, but if you didn't get it the first time, listen to what this word means in the Hebrew. It is the word kava. The word wait is the word kava, and what that means is it gives the idea, it's an action word. Right? So here's the first thing we can tear down, the first little myth buster about the waiting season is that it's sitting around doing nothing. The word wait is an action word, and it means to entwine. It means to wrap around. So picture a string wrapping around something. Picture, uh, picture two things being completely entwined together. That is what this word means. Wait patiently upon the Lord. Entwine yourself to the Lord, wrap your heart around the heart of the Lord in this season. That's a great season to be in. Where else would you want to be besides the presence of the Lord and then throw in the word patiently? Well, that's where you lose some people. Well, I'm just not patient. You are. Are you a believer? That means you have the Holy Spirit in you. And Galatians 5.22 says that every believer has the Holy Spirit and he produces this fruit Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, patience, temperance. Patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. On the inside of you, there is patience. Even those of us that have declared, I'm just not patient. I've lost all my patience. I have no patience. You are literally agreeing with what the enemy is speaking over you. Agreement is powerful. Agreement with two people, humans is enough to lock somebody away in prison forever. Agreement among two people is enough to set somebody free of accusations somebody's falsely made against them. Agreement in the natural world is one of the most powerful forces on earth. Natural things speak of supernatural things. Your agreement with either the word of the Lord or the word of the enemy is literally directing your life right now. What are you agreeing with? Are you agreeing with the enemy? Yeah, you're right, you don't have patience. I don't have patience. You don't have peace, I don't have peace. I can't feel peace. This is the words the enemy speaking over your life, but the word of the Lord is the fruit of the spirit in you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, long suffering, temperance. So you have it, that's the really good news. So if you're in the waiting season, First of all, you got patience, which means activate it, use it. And let me tell you how it gets activated. That patience will become activated, active in your life. That's what activate means. The patience on the inside of you will activate as you entwine and wrap your heart around the heart of the Lord during this season. That is your job. That's your job. God is as close to you as he's ever going to be. He's so close to you that he's within you. So I, I hope you don't have, the, have this prayer that you pray, Lord, I want to be close to you. And he's saying, you can't get any closer. Like so many of us still look up to the sky when we pray because we picture the Lord way out there past the stars. And it's be way more correct to just look down right here. Right? He's this far. He's not, he, he's this close. And the word says that he won't leave you or forsake you. That there's not a height or depth that could separate you. So I don't know where some of us have missed it where we feel like he's far away, but he's always right here. He's always right here. And as we just enjoy our relationship with him during the waiting season, that patience becomes activated. And waiting looks less and less like uh, uh like like, like like hard labor, plowing the ground, sitting around in sorrow and sad every day, and a lot more like the best season of your life, enjoying relationship with the Father. And here's something else that happens, and you, and you can see how, how the scriptures put all this in, even like, I love when things just feel like there's a great order to them. Isaiah 40, 31, you probably know this by heart, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings with eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Those that wait upon the Lord. Why? Well, in the waiting season, you are entwining yourself, wrapping yourself around the heart of the father. You are in his presence. And what do we find in his presence? But fullness of joy is what the word says. And what does Nehemiah say about joy? The joy of the Lord is our strength. So in those waiting seasons, when you feel like it's zapping all the strength out of you, I just, I can't wait any longer. I'm, I'm depressed, I'm, I'm tired, I'm weary. And the Lord's saying, if you'll just see what this season is, if you just open your mind, if you just change the way you think and begin to see this season as the time when you and I can become more like one than we've ever been before, then not only will you activate that patience, but you'll find joy and you'll experience more strength than you ever have. And all of a sudden you turn around and maybe it's been a certain amount of time, but by the time you get there, you've done nothing but enjoy that last season. It doesn't matter if it's 10 days, 10 years, or 60 years. You look back and you think, man, that was the best time of my life that was the greatest moment of my life. And here's the secret. Once you get to this place, this destination that you've been waiting on, do you know you are called to go from glory to glory? So once you get there, you're going to see the next place you're going and you'll be in the very beginning stages of the next waiting season. The destinations are just little stops along the journey, right? We've spent weeks. My sister has spent weeks preparing for my, my niece's fourth birthday party that we got to enjoy yesterday. It was one hour of pure enjoyment in the park with little kids and Paw Patrol and nature potions uh, with, with water. And, and they all made these little nature, I don't know, they, they picked some, some, some girl, they, they, they picked leaves and put them in water. And it was, it was great. They all had a blast. They thought they were making something magical, right? It was an hour. That stopped In the journey was one hour, and it involved a whole lot of prep. It involved weeks of planning. It involved weeks of waiting, right? And those weeks didn't just fly by. There was great moments in those weeks. That was just one stop. And you know what? In a year from now, we'll have a fifth birthday. It'll be great. It'll be one stop on the journey of that year. When you get to the place that you've been waiting on, it's also kind of just step one for the next place so it's going to be good to learn how to enjoy those waiting seasons it's really all about relationship and and i touched on this last week but there's so many of us that have unhealthy views of relationships in the natural and that formulates an unhealthy view of what relationship with God is. If you are a person who has, again, I know I said this last week, but I know somebody else needs to hear this. If you are a person who has been used regularly, you have talent, you have skill, you have been used by people, that's what your life has kind of centered around. There's a good chance if you don't feel like you're being used by God, you feel worthless. If God's not using me, what am I even worth? You're worth his life. You're worth his life. If you're never used by him, you're worth his life. Saw somebody this week that was Talking about how I could never serve a God who would send his son to die for us. And yes, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit are three in one. God sent his son to die for us, but they're missing the part that it was also him on the cross. Him and the Father are one. Jesus and the Father were one. He gave his life. If you lock yourself in a room and never tell one person about the gospel, you're just as loved. You don't have to be used to be loved. And in those waiting seasons, there's times when our waiting, we feel useless. And God is saying, just be with me. Just spend time with me. Just go to him. So here's the question. Here's the question, and maybe you should ask yourself. I'm asking you, but here's what you should ask yourself. What does your relationship with God look like? Because we can talk about having a relationship with God all day. But there's a chance some of us in here don't even know what our relationship with God looks like. Well, first of all, I hope if you're a part of our church, you've torn down any ideas that there's any type of separation between you and God. You are as close to him as you ever will be. He has cleared the path to relationship with him. So the relationship, the striving part of any relationship, that's gone. So with that being a non-factor, the striving, the saying, Lord, please don't leave me. Lord, don't take away your spirit. Somebody said, well, David prayed and said, Lord, don't take your spirit from me. That was correct and right for David to pray. That was before the Holy Spirit dwelled on the inside of people because of Jesus. For David to pray, Lord, don't take your spirit from me, that's a good prayer. For you and I to pray, Lord, don't take your spirit from me, that is unbelief because he said, I'll never take my spirit from you. The Holy Spirit has sealed it. It's a done deal. David looked forward and prophesied about what we're living in right now. So your relationship with God, here's number one, you have relationship no matter what. What does it look like beyond that? I'll give you an example. Here's what mine looks like. I wake up in the morning and before I open my phone, before I do anything else, I pour a cup of coffee and I wake up early enough to have time with the Lord. I open my Bible, I read it, I pray, and then I'll go get ready and I don't know, I'll I'll do whatever we have to do today. I'll I'll come in, but whatever I'm doing, I'm processing and it's not something that happens automatically, but I, I try, I'm trying even more so to just be aware of the presence of God in every moment. We talked about that last week. I hope you heard that message. Listen to last Sunday's if you didn't. But when you bring the Lord into every moment, that is called relationship. And that is part of my relationship. It doesn't matter if I'm raising my kids and talking to them about school stuff or if I'm doing something goofy, some hobby that I enjoy. I mentioned this last week, reading a comic book or or watching TV with my family or if we're going to a soccer game early, 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 so early on Saturday mornings. So early. I'm still mad about it. Last Saturday, we had to be in Indian Trail at 730 on Saturday. That's too early. You better play professional soccer. I mean, you better like. I'm just saying a lot of pressure on that kid. He told me his plan A was professional soccer. He told me this a year ago. Plan B is basketball. Plan C is baseball that's exactly what your plan a b and c should be when you're 12 13 14 15 years old right i love it so we're going on plan a we got you to soccer early but it's being aware of the presence of god in every situation that is what relationship is mine looks like reading the word early in the morning going back to the word throughout the day when i'm looking for guidance praying with my wife Praying with my kids. When my kids leave for school, I usually tell them, you're a leader, not a follower. The head, not the tail, above and not below. You're a lender and not a borrower. The first time Judah ever got in trouble at school, he didn't even tell me what he did. He started crying and said, I wasn't being a leader. That's why I got in trouble. That's great. He has a revelation on that. He knows what it is to be a leader. But that's my relationship with my kids, but it's also my relationship with the Lord. What does your relationship with God look like? Are you aware of his presence when you're at the nine to five? Are you aware of his presence when you wake up in the morning and you're trying to rush out the door? Are you aware of, 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 the, of the Lord when you're laying down at night? Is your, is your thought as you're laying down, are you just thinking about the day you got coming up? Which is fine, we all do it, but bring the Lord into that moment. You know what, it's the difference between relationship and what Jesus said, I no longer call you slaves, I now call you friends in John 15, 15. That was the moment as he's talking to his disciples, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you're my friends since I've told you everything the father told me. That was the moment that mindsets began to shift from doing, 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 working for Jesus to relationship instead of how can I shift uh, it, it, it shifted from instead of what do I do for Jesus to how do my choices affect him what am I doing for him but how do my day-to-day choices affect the Lord we will work for the Lord if that's what you want to call it he will use us for his purposes he will give us guidance and we'll be making an impact But first and foremost, a relationship is not what can I do for this person? How can I work for this person? It's what do my decisions, what is every moment, how is this affecting him? How is his presence affecting this moment? A few days ago, being transparent with you guys, Lisa was talking to me one day and she said, It was afternoon and I said something to her and I thought I was being kinda nice and she responded a bit sharply. And I said, what is going on? And she said, well, you haven't even said hello to me today. We were both in the same house this morning and I was rushing out the door, but you didn't say good morning. We haven't even really spoke or looked at each other and now it's three o'clock and you're trying to be all sweet. I don't don't like it. (laughs) I get it, she was right. She was right. But you're in a relationship with the Lord And he's not looking down and condemning and saying, Shame on you, we haven't spent time together. However, on our end, are we still processing thoughts for how can I be useful to God? Or are our first and foremost thoughts, How am I spending time with my Father? How is my choices today affecting our relationship? Am I bringing you into every moment? Or am I trying to keep you on the outside? Because relationally, I want to be in every possible moment with my wife, with my kids. It's not just about providing, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's one of our duties as parents to provide, put meals on the table, to have money in the bank to take care of. But that can't be it. That can't be the only thing you do for your kids. There's a whole nother level, an even more important level, a relational level. Because I mean, you got kids that grow up with everything. Right, And you've got kids that grow up with nothing. And you see the kids sometimes that grow up with everything are the ones that run furthest away and want the least to do with their family and their parents. And then you've got kids, some of us maybe, that grew up with nothing and we couldn't be closer with our parents. We couldn't love our parents or be grateful for where we've gone, where we've come from more. It's not just about the provision. Right. So it's about the time. It's about the relationship. And it's no different with the Lord. He's got great purpose for your life. He has got great purpose for your life. First and foremost, he gave his life just to be with you, just to have that relationship. And out of your relationship, you will accomplish more of that purpose than you could ever accomplish by putting purpose first relationship second that's what the waiting season is about the waiting season is a chance for you to put relationship first and tear down that mindset of I have to work for you here's a secret if you don't work for the Lord he'll find somebody else there's lots of people every one of us are replaceable every one of us as far as work goes but do you know what you're not replaceable in your heart your relationship with the Lord, nobody can replace your relationship with God. That's really the only thing you can give him that he can't find somewhere else, is your relationship. And if you have ever fallen into that trap of work first, like Martha, presence second, work first, relationship second. Remember Jesus lovingly said, Mary, who was sitting at his feet, chose right. Martha, who was cleaning the house, maybe making the food, he said, you're missing the most important part, the relationship. So for any of us that have fallen into that trap of work first, relationship second, your waiting season is a chance for you to put relationship, this is what it has to be about. Because right now in the waiting season, what other option do you have, right? In the waiting season, when The gifts aren't being pulled on. In the waiting season when the calling that you know you have on your life isn't being seen, what more do you have? What's your other option? Sit around and get depressed? That's not a good option. Learn. Learn that relationship is first and See how important it is. Taste and see that the Lord is good. It will activate that patience in your life. You'll feel more strength. You'll experience more strength than you ever have. And that stuff that's been on the back burner will begin to come to the forefront on its own. You'll begin to water the seeds the Lord's put in your heart like never before. Because here's the last thing I want to say today, and here's what we'll pick up next week. So many people have the mentality and the mindset that the grass is greener somewhere else. If I leave this city, I'll be prosperous. If I go to this church, I'll be prosperous. If I do this. Some of you thought that when you came to this church. I'm just gonna tell you, even, I love that you're here, but the grass isn't greener here. Have you ever heard a pastor say that? The grass isn't greener here. Let me tell you where the grass is greener. The grass is greener where you water the grass. My air condition, my AC unit, which I love. It's one of my favorite things in life. Man, thank you, Lord, for AC. It's got some PVC pipe that comes out of the side, and it runs through my backyard, and it comes to the other side of my fence. And I don't water my grass. I have a nice yard. I I mean, I think my yard looks really nice, right? But there's that one spot where it gets water every day from that air condition. And it is the greenest, most beautiful grass in the entire yard. The grass isn't greener anywhere else. It's greener where you water it. And if you have ended up here at this church, I've probably told you this to your face. Let me say it again. I'm so happy you're here. I'm so glad you're here. We can have a great, we have a great community, and we can have a great relationship. But if you just expect things to start working, or if you just expect everything to be great, don't be disappointed. Stick around. Water the grass here. Let your roots grow, and watch your life flourish. Watch things grow like never before. Watch fruit Be produced in your life like never before. We're going to talk about redwood trees next week in detail. There's one up there on the graphic. But sequoias or redwoods, whatever you want to call them, uh, just a few facts about them. They are the biggest living organisms on earth and the oldest. Uh, You've seen these trees uh, on TV. You might have seen them in person, but uh, one of my favorite uh, Star Wars, Ondor, Return of the Jedi. That was shot in the Redwood Forest, right? So you got trees in Star Wars. You've seen that one tree. You can drive through it. You've probably seen a picture of that when They got a tunnel dug through it. The sequoias are the biggest living organisms on earth. You would think, and I used to think, they must have deep, deep, deep roots. I mean, thousands of, some of them are like, I think there's a couple that are like 11, 1200 years old. Well, I have to I just have minor notes this week. I got some more details. But I think they're over a thousand years old. Some of these trees, you'd think the roots grow deep, but they actually don't grow deep at all. They grow very shallowy, but they also only grow left to right. And all these redwood and sequoia trees, their roots grow together. When you look underground, it is just like a never-ending maze of roots that grow together. They wrap around each other. They merge. They literally grow into each other. And it's such a strong root system that if one of these trees falls down, if it falls down because of the way the root system is, the literal branches of the tree will eventually become trees themselves. They don't, even if it falls down, it's not the end for these trees. But their roots grow together and they grow strong and they're the largest organisms on earth. And here's the great thing about this. You can't uproot them and move them. They're stationary and more people go to see these trees and and look at this forest and they make a bigger impact just standing still and letting their roots grow than any other little area. I was sitting in the presence of two of the most amazing worship pastors, worship leaders, songwriters of all time about 15 years ago. Maybe it was 13. It was 13 years ago because Judah was a baby. And these two guys were sitting beside each other. They were doing a Q&A. And uh, I will we'll change their names to protect the, the, the people. We'll call, them, we'll call them Bob and Larry. Uh, we'll, we'll call them Bob and Larry. So Bob and Larry were sitting there talking. And you're all picturing a tomato and a cucumber. And I love that. Bob and Larry were sitting around talking. And they had a Q&A. And somebody said to Bob, uh, what would you do different in your ministry? These guys were both, at the time, in their 60s. They're probably both real close to 70 now. Um, maybe they were in their late 50s. Uh, and, and Bob had traveled around forever. We've all sang Bob's songs in every church in the whole US. We've all sang Larry's songs in the whole church in the US. Well, Bob also had a pretty public falling where he was uh, caught in some adulterous affairs and was away from ministry and and the public eye for probably 15 years. Um, Well, he talked about that very openly at this this Q&A. And he said, well, I, I had a gift, and my friend Larry had a gift. But I thought that if I didn't go take my gift everywhere, then people weren't getting what they needed. So I traveled nonstop. I never left the road. I got completely exhausted. I left my support system. I left my community. Even the guy that traveled with me, I out-traveled him. He got tired, so he went home. I kept traveling. And after years, this is his words, it led to nine affairs. He said, I had nine ladies in nine different cities. And it became very public. Obviously, and it's taken me decades to even have my own heart healed, much less talk about the people I heard along the way. He said, if I could do something different, I would do what Larry did. Larry had stayed in the same place for 30-ish years, he even started a school where people came and, and had a ministry school, a worship school. And he said, he has had a larger impact standing still and letting his roots grow than I could ever have had ever traveling even if I wouldn't have messed up, even if I just kept going for 15 more straight years, he's had a larger impact just standing still and letting his roots grow. That was powerful to hear. That was powerful to hear. Listen, when you stand still, when you let your roots grow and your waiting season is all about relationship with the Lord, wrapping your heart around his heart, you can stand still and have a larger impact on this world than you could ever have by going, going, going. The Lord will bring people to you. They'll be drawn to you. You notice Jesus didn't really go that far during his three years of ministry, right? We don't have any stories about Jesus getting on a boat and and going across the sea to a different country. He stayed pretty close. But look, everybody from all time since has been drawn to him and his story. You don't have to go far. Let your roots grow in your waiting season. Kava, Wrap your heart around the heart of the Father like never before in this season. Patience will activate. In His presence, you'll find fullness of joy. That joy becomes your strength. And before you know it, that moment, that thing you've been waiting on, Is right in front of you. And you're going to enjoy it. And it's going to be awesome. And the Lord's saying, all right, here's where we're going next. And you'll be like, all right, another waiting season. I'm excited. Right? One of the best years of my life was the year Lisa and I were engaged. I can't even tell you the excitement that I felt on the inside. It didn't matter if we were building the house that year. So, I mean, we were picking out. Carpet and what do we want this room to look like what we want that to look like? But we were also planning our lives. We were wrapping our lives around each other during that year, right? We talked about what are we going to do for a a bank account? Are we going to keep our money separate? Well, we were 19. I don't even think I had a bank account, but we opened a joint bank account. That's wrapping your life around each other. We decided we were going to live here at this house. We bought some land. We built the house. We had a safari room. We went to somewhere and found a picture of elephants, and we're like, "We should decorate this whole room like this." It was awesome. We were nineteen. We also picked uh, we also picked cappuccino colored carpet because we were like, "Cappuccinos awesome. We love cappuccinos." But uh, we spent that year wrapping our lives around each other, and you know what? It wasn't negative. We weren't sitting around depressed saying, I just wish the wedding was tomorrow. No, we enjoyed it. It was so much fun. And when you prepare the right way, thank God we had awesome parents and we still have awesome parents, but they, they spent time with us that year and said, hey, before you get married, here are some things you establish right now to make your marriage successful. We could talk about that all day. And we do when we do premarital counseling and things like that. But we spent that year entwining ourselves around each other, wrapping our lives around each other. And it was so worth it. And it was a great year. That's what a waiting season is. It's awesome. It can be one of the best seasons of your life. Truly believe that with all my heart. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to invite the band to come up as we close here. Thanks for sticking with me a few extra minutes. Uh, Next week, we're going to talk a whole lot about these redwoods. And I'm really excited because I mean, there is so much amazing detail that God can show us through through examples he created, like these sequoias, redwood forest. But thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you so much. We're so grateful that... We're so grateful... Those of us that are waiting, and, and honestly, we're probably all waiting on something. We're probably all waiting on something. So Father, I just thank you that this season, if we have not seen it as one of the best times in our life, that today we can begin to shift our focus. That if we haven't seen this season as... An exciting time for us to focus on our relationship with you beyond anything else that right now We begin to shift our focus. We begin to change the way we think take the limits off of you Take the limits off of this season and I thank you that the things that we've put on the back burner Whether it's a gift a talent an idea And I think there's some ideas in this room that you've had that we've had in this room that that man the Lord is saying that is not just a good idea that is that's is going to be your supply that idea I want you to act on that because that's going to be your supply that's going to be your provision and for so many other people as well there's ideas we put on the back burner because in the waiting season we have thought I'm not being used I'm worthless and the Lord's saying no you're not worthless This is a chance for us to build our relationship like never before. Thank you that those back burner things are coming back to the forefront. That like a seed, they'll begin to get more water than they've ever had. They'll begin to get more care than they've ever had. And that as we see these ideas, these dreams, as we see these giftings develop within us, that first and foremost, as we see this happen, Our relationship with you will just be in the best place it's ever been. And even as these gifts develop, we will begin to focus less and less on that, more and more on just you, who you are, your heart. Going through our day together. Going through our lives together with you. Thank you, Father, for this waiting season. We love you so much. Amen. Hey, let's respond with a few moments of worship. And this is a response to the word. But man, this is also a response. If you came down here and you received some breakthrough, this moment of worship is going to be a response to receiving that breakthrough. So let's respond, right? Let's all stand. Let's sing for a few moments. And let's respond to the Lord with grateful hearts.